My friends in Christ, it's not the version that we would use in worship, but there is a version of Psalm 137 that was very popular all around the world in 1978. It's a song with reggae roots done by a Caribbean, Germany-based disco pop group, if you can believe that. Some of you may actually uh, know the song. It landed on the U.S. Top 40 chart. Uh, it was on the Top 25 list in Canada that year. It was the number one song in South Africa for 1978. It sounds upbeat. It sounds happy. But that's hardly the way it could have been sung by God's people because it was like a, a window into their tragic past. Listen to the words of the psalm and you'll know what I mean. Beside the rivers of Babylon, there we sat. And yes, we wept as we remembered Zion. There we hung up our lyres on the willows because there our captors asked us for words of a song and our tormentors asked for a happy song. Sing for us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing a song of the Lord on foreign soil? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget how to play music. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember the day of Jerusalem, O Lord, against the descendants of Edom who said, tear it down, tear it down to its foundations. Daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, how blessed is the one who repays you with the same deeds you did against us. How blessed is the one who seizes your children and dashes them against the cliff. Between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, in a land that we now know as Iraq, sat a world superpower. God had used them to take his people into captivity because his people continually rebelled against him despite his warnings not to do so. The year was 586 BC and the, the superpower, of course, was Babylon. They completed in 586 B.C. their devastation of Jerusalem. They destroyed God's magnificent temple, and they carried his people off into exile. We know the names and some of the stories of those people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. God's people were separated from their homeland. They were exiled in a foreign land. They were trapped under foreign rule. They could worship God. We know that Daniel and the others did so, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as their glorious worship at the temple, that worship that they were accustomed to. So it was painful for them to be separated from there, and they, they longed for, for God to rescue them. I recently saw some Grace members' uh, family photos on Facebook, and uh, the parents were pretty good-natured about... Uh, about the pictures, but uh, their one-and-a-half-year-old daughter wasn't having it at all. And maybe you know what that's like to try to get a little child to smile for the camera when they're sad or when they're upset about something. The Babylonian captors tried to make uh, the Israelites uh, sing a happy song that normally would have made them smile, but, but they just couldn't smile then. Their enemies goaded them. Sing for us one of the songs of Zion. 
they knew well that their songs, their worship songs, were, were happy songs of praise to God, songs that they would sing as they gathered together and they, they joyfully made their way up the path to Mount Zion to the Lord's temple. God's people were cruelly mocked as they sat there by the water and they refused to sing. Weeping willows growing on the banks were an appropriate place for God's people to hang up their instruments. Just as Babylon's king had ransacked the Lord's temple and used its vessels for his drinking parties, they were trying to take what was sacred to the Israelites, their worship songs, and use them for their heathen entertainment. Their refusal to sing wasn't something as simple as a defiant protest against their oppressors. They could actually not bring themselves to do it. There was no way to sing through their sadness. A small child who doesn't want to take pictures can't really explain to adults why that is, but the children of Israel could explain exactly why they were sad. They were exiled from their homeland, away from the holy city, away from their place of worship, which was really the thing for them. How could they sing when they were so far away from that glorious place where they sang happy songs of praise to their God? You heard, they would rather lose their skill to play or lose their voices to to sing or to speak. Our physical situation is not like theirs. Our nation is not a theocracy. There's no one place in our country for Christians to go for worship, and we're completely free. But the spiritual pain that that we can endure is similar to theirs. We fail to listen to God's direction and his warnings against sin, just like his people always have. That this offends God is the most serious thing. Like the Israelites, we can also suffer earthly consequences for our sin. For instance, if we're always running off at the mouth, people are not going to confide in us anymore. If we misuse alcohol, we might get sick or offend someone or maybe something worse. In lots of ways, we cause our own pain with our sin. Our sinful nature is our own worst enemy. But there are others. There are other enemies who torment us and and spiritually oppress us. People mock Christians for what we believe. I've discovered that you can find a lot of that in the comments on social media. Young people hear it from friends who think less of them because of their faith. College students hear it from professors in the classrooms. You say, Merry Christmas at the store checkout, and and often you'll get a smile and a Merry Christmas back, but boy, you say that to the wrong person. Christian holiday traditions and celebration aren't always appreciated by even our own family, and that can cause some problems. Unbelieving people make snide comments about our faith and our involvement with our church. No, it's not exactly the the Babylonian captivity, but godless people in a sinful world cause us spiritual and emotional distress. It's painful to listen to. It's painful to have to deal with. 
We heard in our first lesson, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil is often the the furthest thing from our minds, I think, because we can't see him. But God calls him your enemy, your adversary. He's the one who can devour faith, who can eternally own your soul. He is the whisper in the background. He's your sinful nature's best friend. He's the the nudge that pushes you towards sin. When our spiritual enemies, uh, our own nature and those around us and the devil torment us and, and tempt us, and when we fall to sin, God calls us to repentance. Children of God today find forgiveness in the same Savior that those people of long ago did. They looked forward to the Savior to come. We look back on the Savior who did come. Jesus came, and he overcame the world and sin and the devil. This is why we have a season of Advent. It's a time for us to prepare to celebrate our Savior's birth, his coming into the world to bring forgiveness uh, for our sins and give us eternal life by conquering those spiritual enemies that plague all people. Reflection on that brings repentant hearts from us. It brings us comfort from God. But here we are, still here in this world and facing spiritual opposition. We want it to go away. Better yet, we want to go away. We, we long to go to the, our home, our true home that we're separated from. We long to be rescued and to be taken to the new Jerusalem, to the, to the heavenly Mount Zion. Those who wept over their exile in Jerusalem wanted so badly to be rescued, and you can hear it in the psalmist's words. It's a little difficult to read the last uh, words of this song. Uh, what might be the Bible's harshest um, curses are, are found here. The psalmist calls on God to remember the day of Jerusalem, the um, destruction of their city, the day that Edom, the the descendants of Esau, helped Babylon and celebrated with them. What a jarring, discordant note of the song this is. How blessed is the one who repays you with the same deeds you did against us. How blessed is the one who seizes your children and dashes them against the cliff. No, this verse never made it into the modern popular versions of this song, and you can see why. No one wants to hear that. Especially in the season of Advent, as, as we are singing songs that prepare us the, the, for the celebration of, of the birth of a child. We don't want to hear that or envision that it really happened when Babylon conquered other nations, or that other nations did this too, or that God in his righteous vengeance had the Medes and the Persians do the very same thing to the Babylonians when they were defeated and when God's people were released from exile and returned to Jerusalem. It's an ugly thing. Judgment on sin always is. It is when a person rejects God. It was when God sent his own son to die on the cross because he was wearing our sin. 
and it will be on the last day. Such severe judgment on those who rejected God and his love. So many cast into exile in hell with no hope of relief. What the Israelites knew, as we do, is that the day of God's judgment on our enemies and his is also a day of rescue for his people. They knew that from what the prophets said. They knew that this would happen to Babylon. You and I know that judgment and rescue will happen on the last day. Advent is a time when we think a little bit more about how we long for release from our confinement in this world. We know that this world is not our home. The new Jerusalem is. Enemies and tormentors bother us here, but they're not going to do that on the heavenly Mount Zion. Earthly sorrows sometimes sink our spirits. They suspend our singing, but that's not going to happen because in heaven because there is no sadness and there is no pain when we're there with the Lord. We can't worship here likely like we will worship in the eternal temple of God. Peter reminds us that that while we are here in this world, we will suffer for a little while. And in a happier song than Psalm 137, we heard Zechariah assure us that the Lord raised up salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to grant deliverance to us from the hand of our enemies. Jesus came to save us from being exiled by our enemies and our tormentors. Instead of being distanced from him and and without hope, Jesus has brought us close to him. He rescued us from being held captive by sin and death and the devil. And though distanced from our eternal home, we are not alone. Just as God was with his people who were in exile, he is with us while we are here in this world. And he promises to come to our rescue again, physically leading us out of the the foreign land that is this world, away from those who oppose and oppress us, and into the peace and the safety and the glory of his heavenly Jerusalem. Our rescuer will come again. Amen.